0: Encounters with Christ, looking at encounters with Christ in the New Testament and how that changed people's lives and more importantly this morning, how that could change your life. Our study can be found this morning in John chapter 1, or excuse me, John chapter 2 verses 1 through 12. And if you don't mind, please uh, access your Bibles, turn it over there. If you didn't bring a Bible with you, that's all right. We've got one in front of you in the pew that you can take out and use. And if you don't have one, we have some on the back wall that you can take and make your own. They're free, uh, and you can take it and make, your own, make it your own and start studying along with us. I challenge everybody to open their Bible every Sunday and to read along. That keeps me honest, Mary. I want you to be like the Bereans. And for the first time in six years, I almost stepped clean off this stage. (laughs) Chase must have pushed that forward on me. Paul commends the Bereans because they will listen to him with open minds and open ears. But they go back and they look at the Scripture and they make sure what's being said is right. And I want to challenge you to do that with me. And any time that you find that I'm not correct in something, you can do me like a polish. You can pull me aside in private, and you can say, "Hey, Keith, you messed up." And right here, look, and I will listen wholeheartedly. So our study this morning is found in John chapter two, one through twelve. Our key verse this morning is is found on on verse eleven. This beginning of His signs Jesus did in Cana of Galilee and manifested His glory, and His disciples believed in Him. Jesus manifested His glory. He's displaying His deity and His great power openly. When you really get a good look at Jesus' character... When you see his divinity, when you see his identity, when you get to know him deep down, you begin to trust him. You can't help but to believe in him, to love him, to be drawn to him, and to have faith in him. Now, we have a problem, or I have a problem, with this particular word here uh, is believed in him. And this word doesn't correctly identify what I believe is going on here. It it doesn't identify the depth of the belief, right? So I could say, I believe in Richard Nixon, but that doesn't believe that I had faith in Richard Nixon, that I trusted Richard Nixon that I put my faith in based, on, based upon my life upon Richard Nixon. But I believe in Richard Nixon. So there's a problem with this word. So let's take a, a look at some of our, our grammar issues here in the translation. Because I believe if we understand this translation better, then we might interpret this particular Scripture a little bit better than we do. Let's take a look at this. We have lots of of words in English that are both a verb and noun. But we run into problems with this particular Greek word. Let me give you, for instance, like you might say, a fly is flying. Or or you might say, an iron, I'm ironing with an iron, right? Or I could say, I dream, I'm dreaming a dream. Or, Or you could say, I'm dressing in a dress. But the problem here is, in this word, believed. Because the English language has a hard time with the Greek word. You see, we have this this word here, pistis. And in the noun, we have a very good translation for this word. We call it faith. Okay? And faith is that strong and welcome conviction that And belief that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and that He brings, He extends salvation to the world. That's that's faith. Uh, The Hebrew writer says faith is a confidence in what we hope for and being assured about what we do not see, right? But then we come to the verb. Now, the prefix in the Greek is just to add the E U O to it, and it's pistuo. And you understand, it's faith in action. It's faith doing something. Verbs do something, right? Verbs are always doing or being. So if you treated it like the, gray, uh, like the Greek language did, you would say that you're faithing. But mama says, nix nay on that, eh? There's no faithing. We don't have that in, the, in English language. So what we came up with, with with was the next best thing, the word believing. But in the book of John, pistuo is the word. It's faithing. It's the verb of faith. Anytime you see the word believing in the book of John, he's really saying, faithing, James. Now that brings a whole new sense to the sentence, doesn't it? Faithing, taking action in what we believe in, that Jesus Christ is the Son of God in whom all our salvation flows. That's quite different. So let's take a look and see these scriptures, this encounter through the eyes of the disciples and through the eyes of John, who writes this some 60 years later. Imagine what you would see in this encounter as you walk alongside Christ. Verse 1. On the third day there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there, and both Jesus and His disciples were invited to the wedding. When the wine ran out, the mother of Jesus said, to him. They have no wine. Now you might be thinking to yourself, that's really no big deal. I've been to several weddings where there were more people showed up than they had anticipated, and the food, the buffet ran out, and the wine ran out. No big deal, everybody continued to celebrate, everybody had a good time, the bride and the groom went their way, No harm, no foul. But you're not from the first century. In first century in Jewish culture, this celebration is most likely to go on for a full five to seven days. As you can see from the scripture, we're already in the third day. Uh, People traveled for miles at this time, just to come to weddings. There's even a document where somebody got sued because they went to a wedding and something like this happened and they traveled all this way and then they didn't have any way to take care of themselves because the celebration ended too soon or didn't begin and they sued the other person. How people looked upon this marriage would depend upon the success, would reflect upon the couple's life in the future. In our world, we have corporate mergers. In the Jews' world, they had weddings. And this is what we have. In the first century wedding, it represents a merger of families coming together. We see a wedding, America sees a wedding as two people intimately coming together and most of our thoughts around the wedding are centered on them and their relationship together and what that's going to look like. But in the first century in the Jewish culture, it was about two families coming together and about their resources and their assets coming together. This is about the merger of two families and their skill sets and the future of those two families coming together. Five to seven days of this celebration put into motion the potential for the future of these two who were coming together and their entire family. Their social, political, and monetary future is at risk here. Running out of wine was a big deal. It's not just an embarrassment. It could be criminal. It could be very devastating to the family. Let's continue on. And Jesus said to her, Woman, what does that have to do with us? My hour has not yet come. And his mother looks over at the servants and says, Whatever he says to do, you do it. Now first, don't let the words of Christ here throw you off. Okay? Christ is is simply saying, I've come to earth with a divine plan and I'm carrying this plan out. And mama, this is not on the agenda. Mom, this is not part of the plan. Now don't let that surprise you Three times in the book of John, Jesus says, this is not part of my plan. My time has not yet come. So don't let this one throw you off. Simply saying, this is not part of the plan. Mary, I find this like a, like a, a hint of Mary and Christ's relationship here. Mary says to the servants, do whatever he says. Do you see the trust in that? Do you see the full confidence? Mary knows that Jesus is totally capable of solving any problem. Now theologians have speculated on why Mary might know this, okay? You know, when Jesus, when Jesus wanted to see the bottom of his bowl, did he just separate the milk? You know, I don't know. But for some reason, Mary has complete confidence that Jesus Christ can solve the problem. And she just looks over at the servants and says, whatever He says to do, you do. Because I know He can solve it. What does that say to you this morning about the character of Christ? Who He was and what He was to those around Him? Verse 6. Now there were six stone water pots set there for the Jewish customs of purification containing 20 to 30 gallons each. I want you just to get an idea. Jesus is about to make a lot of wine. Okay? This is more than Sam sells on a good Razorback weekend. Jesus said to them, Fill the water pots with water. So they filled them to the brim. And he said to them, draw some out now and take it to the head waiter. So they took it to him. When the head waiter tasted the water, which had been become wine, and did not know where it came from, but the servants knew who had drawn the water knew, the head waiter called to the bridegroom and said to him, every man serves good wine first, and then... The people have drunk freely, then he serves the poor wine. But you have kept the good wine until now. You see that Jesus says, go draw some out. Take it to the head waiter. We would today call that the host. The host tastes the wine and goes, holy cow. He should have said, holy wine. It's the best he's ever tasted. It's set apart and beyond your imagination. And he begins to brag about it and brag to, to, the, to the bridegroom. I can't believe what you've done here. You've brought out the, the best at the end. Now there's so many metaphors going on here. You know, that, you, that you, I could talk about all the beautiful metaphors going on here. Between the, the wine, the, the water of the law and purification and the wine representing Christ's blood and Jesus bringing on the, on the third day, bringing, bringing out the best things last, you know. There's, but I'm not going there, okay? Then verse 11. This beginning of his signs, Jesus did in Cana of Galilee, and it manifested his glory and his disciples believed in him. After this, he went down to Capernaum, and he and his mother and his brothers and his disciples, and they stayed there for a few days. So what sign? What glory? Is a simple alchemy of water to wine enough to totally change your life and set you into faithing after Christ or is there more to it than this, this simple water to wine? Did the disciples see something that day that drew them to Christ and started them faithing in him? I want you to see this through the disciples' eyes. First, Jesus was an enjoyable, Jesus was enjoyable to be around. Okay? The first thing in this story is Jesus liked to be around people and people liked to be around Jesus. He was invited to the party and his disciples got the venue too because Jesus was invited to the party. People enjoyed being around him. I would imagine that Christ was the kind of guy that would walk into a room and set people to smile because you could see his sincerity and his love. You could feel his authenticity and love for others. And, and isn't, isn't an enjoyable person, isn't that just an alluring character? But Charles Spurgeon once said, an individual who has no warm, pleasant, cheerful about him had better been an undertaker and bury the dead. For he will never succeed in influencing the living. Are you paying attention? Thank you. Charles Spurgeon believed this so much and loved people so much that by the time he died, 5,000 people would come every Sunday to hear him speak in the seats and another 1,000 people would stand at the back to listen to his words about Christ. It makes a difference. Wouldn't this make a difference with you? Wouldn't you start faithing in a man like this? Wouldn't you be drawn to a man like Jesus Christ? Next is, Jesus was extraordinarily humble, okay? I gotta tell you, if this had been me, I would have said, hey boys, come over here. Watch what I'm going to do. And I would have said, water into wine. And then I would have said, all right, everybody taste some of that. Isn't that excellent? And then I got in the host, and I said, you know, your life is really on the line here. Your reputation is on the line. Guess what I've done for you? Taste some of that wine. And then I would have gotten the bride and groom together, and I would have said, look what I've done for you. Sixty to ninety gallons of free wine. You're off the hook. I know you should have planned better, but I got you off. But that's not Christ. Christ is extraordinarily humble. Christ lets the bridegroom receive the gift without price tag or penalty attached. He just sets it into motion and lets it play out. He never says, hey, it was me. Aren't humble people... Attractive? Wouldn't this make you start faithing in a man like this? Jesus is meticulously obedient to the word. I want you to see what the disciples saw. You see, Mary walks up and says, they're out of wine. And Jesus could have easily said, my time has not yet come, and moved on to Capernaum just walked out. He could have said, you know, it's really not my fault that they didn't plan any better, that they, didn't, that they didn't make better plans for this and plan. I can't help it because they were cheap and didn't buy enough wine. It's not my responsibility. Jesus could have said all these things. He could have said, Wine? You want me to create wine? Theologians will argue for centuries about whether there's alcohol in it or it's just grape juice. I can't change that to wine. But I want you to see what he did. He's 30 years old. Can I tell you, at the age of 30, honoring your mother and doing what your mama tells you to do is a little out of vogue. But can anybody tell me this morning, what's the fifth commandment? Say it one more time, a little louder. Love your mother and father. father. Honor your mother and father. Honor your mother and father. Jesus is completely obedient to the word. His mother said, you've got a problem I want you to solve. And Jesus steps in and solves it. Aren't people who show respect for other people attractive? Aren't you attracted to people who are respectful to other people? Wouldn't this be enough for you to start faithing in him? Next, Jesus was incredibly sensitive to people's needs and met them where they were. Jesus could have walked away from this and not engaged. It wasn't his responsibility, was it? It wasn't his fault, was it? Yet he's willing to be sensitive and walk into and engage and intervene into this pain of this people and change their life for the better. Can I have a minute and 15 seconds of your time? If I can have a minute and 15 seconds of your time, raise your hand. For those of you who did not raise your hand, I figure that consent by unconsciousness is is there. And you won't miss that this time anyway. So I wanna set this little video clip up for you, okay? So this is The Incredibles. Has anybody seen The Incredibles? Came out a long time ago. It is a awesome little show, okay? In the Incredibles, the mother has the ability to be stretched to the ends, okay? Appropriate, right? And one of the little boys is as fast as the speed of sound, and one of the little girls has the ability to throw a force field or disappear. And then the father, who is Mr. Incredible, he has superhuman strength. Now, if you've, if you've ever raised more than two children and you're a mother you can relate to this video so just enjoy this soak this up it's going to be a minute and 15 seconds of your time so how about you vi was school mm-hmm. nothing to report mm-hmm. you've hardly touched your food i'm not hungry for meatloaf well it is leftover night we have steak pasta what are you hungry for? Tony Ridinger. Shut up. Well, you are. I said, shut up, you little insect. Oh, well, she is. Do not shout at the table. Honey? Kids, listen to your mother. <laughs> <laughs> She'd eat if we were having Tony Loaf. That's it. Hey! hey stop! we are gonna be toast. Stop coming in the house, No, 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 Shut out! It it. You sit out! You sit out! We'll pay Violet! Out! Ow. Ow. Simon J. Palladino, longtime advocate of superhero rights, is missing Gazer beam. Bob! It's time to engage! Do something! Don't just stand there! I need you to intervene! You want me to intervene? Okay! Sister, let your brother. Have you been there? Because that has happened at my dinner table. Anna's arms just didn't reach that far, and I couldn't lift the table above my head. Can I tell you, as a minister, there are times that I can relate to this mother that I see the chaos in the world and the pain in the world around me. And, And like Miss Incredible, I want to yell out, Engage! It's time to engage! It's time to intervene! It's time to get involved! Folks, this world is crazy. It needs encouragers, elderly, and that that word is always getting chronologically farther and farther in my life. Elderly, the young need you to engage and encourage the youth. They need to hear your prayers. They need to know you love them. They need you to intervene. This world is crazy. It's caught up into power and, and to popularity and to pornography. And you need to engage into it and tell people there's a reason to have hope. There's a reason to live. There's a purpose to live. And it's not being busy. Can I say that again? It's not about being busy. Anybody can be busy. It's about faithing in Christ. Living a life with purpose in Christ. And this morning I just want to stamp and I want to yell and I want to tell you, engage. Intervene. Get involved. Finally, I want to see you, what I think is the entire, what the entire encounter really umbrellas, and that is Jesus is kind. That's the theme of this story. Jesus is kind. Jesus is kind, he's motivated by love. His acts are humble and selfless. He's obedient, he's engaged, he's enjoyable to be around. Might I say he'd be a cool guy just to hang out with. But I think more than anything, John wants you to see that Jesus Christ is kind. Aren't kind people attractive? Aren't they alluring? Don't you just want to be around? Kind people. You know, if I have to choose between somebody who's dynamic and somebody's kind, can I tell you, I always go to that kindness, don't you? So this morning, I'm going to ask you to reevaluate this scripture. This beginning of his signs, Jesus did in Cana of Galilee and manifested his glory. And his disciples faithing in him. You see, I think that there's a reason that they started believing in him. They started faithing in him. They started having faith in action and started following him. And I don't think it was simply just because he turned water into wine. I think it's because they saw the true nature of Christ in this story. A character with so much integrity and so much love that you couldn't help, but just to start faithing in him. So the challenge is, will this encounter change your life? We're called Christians, right? Little Christs, followers of Jesus, disciples emulators of the sun? If so, I I think that we have some work to do on some of our dispositions. Some of us maybe need to work a little bit more on exhibiting the joy of Christ. Or maybe we need to work on our humility and stop demanding that we be recognized for any and everything we do. Maybe we have an obedience problem. And we need to put our life under the rule and reign of King Jesus and recognize that every single one of the Father's commands are for us because He has our best interest at heart. Maybe for some of us, we just need to engage. We just need to intervene. You're floating through life But you're not engaging others for Christ. Maybe it's time that you start engaging and intervening on Christ's behalf sensitively and serving Him by serving others. Or maybe you just need to wake up and and see the ministries around you that are not being met and serve in that way. Or As Titus says, just stop being lazy. Maybe we simply need to put the practice of kindness into our lives. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Lord, when we look at your character, we are awestruck. We can see why people just started faithing in you. You are so awesome. We pray that our deepest desire is to do your will. It is to draw closer to you. To have your spirit lead our lives and to have a relationship for all eternity with you, the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. Help us to be about your work Help us to have your character. In Jesus' name, amen. I don't know where you are this morning in your spiritual walk. Maybe you need to repent, confess Jesus as Lord, put Him on in baptism, and live the rest of your life in faithfulness. Maybe one of these points of Christ's character you've left out of your life, and we want to encourage you to live that out. If there's anything we could help you with spiritually this morning, these pews in the front are open to you. There'll be at least one loving, kind elder in the back, and we'd love to help you with any spiritual need this morning as we stand and as we sing.